Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. Our purpose is to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're working our way through 1 Timothy in our current series, Behave Yourself. Now let's jump in and hear what Kurt has to say. Welcome back, friends, to yet another episode of Everyday Truth. So uh, happy that you joined us and glad to be in a brand new chapter today, 1 Timothy chapter number 2. If you have a way to follow along, that's always helpful. Jumping into a very appropriate section of Scripture uh, for where we all live. And uh, let me just jump right in by reading uh, the first couple of verses. Uh, Chapter 2 and verse 1 says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So uh, the relationship that believers should have really with everybody, but especially our civil authorities John, you know, the chapter begins by saying, I exhort therefore. So obviously when we see the word therefore in the Bible, we know that the information that follows the word is predicated on the information that, that is before the word. Why would Paul employ the word therefore? You know, Paul, back in chapter one, as we saw in the last few episodes, Paul really made a point to Timothy that he needed to stand up for the truth of God, make sure that truth was being taught. He needed to behave himself properly in the church. Paul talks about how the grace of God has been abundant in Paul's own life, how Paul trusted in Christ as his Savior, how that God is using Paul as an example, and how that Paul gives praise to God for his great salvation. And Paul then warns Timothy about people that have gone awry, gone the wrong way. And in light of all that Paul has said back to Timothy in chapter 1 about all that Timothy needs to do, Paul reminds him, and Paul tells him here, that prayer is a great key to what needs to happen in ministry. We have to bathe all that we do in prayer, not, not just prayer for our ministry, but prayer is about, ministry is about, is about people. And he wants to pray for people for different reasons he's going to lay out before us here. Right. And when you say prayer, we, we use the word prayer to really categorize the, the, the broad idea of communication with God. But here specifically in in verse 1, it talks about supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks. So all manner of prayer, begging God, interceding on the behalf of others, an attitude of thankfulness, all of that's encompassed within, excuse me, the scope of prayer. And if we're not careful, we'll make ministry just a list of what to do's. So, hey, Timothy, make sure you teach this. Make sure you deal with these people. Make sure. And prayer is that admission that we can do nothing without God. And God must do that work on the inside. And without God's work, it's all, it's all in vain. So, therefore, pray. And make sure that you are trusting God to do the work that you cannot do. You know, I love the Bible's emphasis throughout on prayer and the necessity of prayer. 
And we so often see in Jesus's ministry where he takes time to pray, to commune with the, with the Heavenly Father. I, I think it was Martin Luther. I may be wrong, but year, many years ago, I read a quotation. So it was some church leader from the past where he made the comment, you know, that on most days he prayed for an hour, but on really busy days, he prayed for two hours. <laughs> that seems counterintuitive to what people often think. But, the, but he knew the idea that we have to have the power of God for ministry. You know, just devoting more time to something doesn't mean we're going to get things done correctly. We have to make sure that we really do beseech the face of our Father. And as you pointed out, Pastor, in all kinds of prayers, in, you know, in supplications, in really, in really deep intercession for things that are going on, prayer is key. It was in the ministry of Jesus Christ. It was in Paul's ministry and it is in our ministry today. So all kinds of prayer for all kinds of men, all different kinds of people. Matter of fact, he, he lists several examples in verse 2 for kings and for all that are in authority. So typically we think about our civil leaders and think about Paul's day. So Paul's day, they're dealing with the despotic rule of Roman Caesars and uh, county seats, and you have to think about Paul's own life and how many leaders he had encountered who held sway in his life, kept him imprisoned, uh, uh, held basically his his future, his liberty in their hands. And yet, what does the, the Apostle Paul say? He said, we need to be praying for these people, praying for the kings. And and that's where I say, sometimes I think in, in modern day Christianity, we kind of associate sometimes Christianity with a certain political party or Christianity with a certain uh, political bent. And obviously, you know, the Bible should inform our politics. I'm, I'm not saying it shouldn't, but boy, we need to be careful to come back to what the Bible does say. And what the Bible does say is we have a responsibility to respect and pray for those that are in leadership over us. And that's a great point that Paul makes here. And it reminds us, you know, when Paul was writing this, you know, Nero was not a great emperor. Paul had been in prison under different, under different kings, different authority figures, but that still did not negate the fact that Paul knew he needed to pray for these people. Uh, Paul did not have a vengeful spirit toward them or try to pass around, you know, let's cause an uprising about this. He said, let's, let's pray for them. You know, Paul has been in prison, uh, but he's praying for Nero. Uh, Christians, you know, persecution is getting ramped up, but Paul is praying because he knows that God can work in the heart of the king. You know, I have to think of Proverbs 21. You know, the heart of the king is the hand of the Lord. He turns it with us wherever he will. And Paul prays here that they will have freedom to be able to serve God and preach the gospel in a quiet and peaceful way. And sometimes <clears throat> those prayers result in the salvation of leaders. You think about people like Sergius Paulus mm -hmm. in the Bible or Manian who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch. So it's not to say that, that even leaders aren't beyond uh, the, the scope of, of being saved. And we ought to be praying. They're human beings, mm -hmm. our president, our senators, mm -hmm. our representatives, all of them. They're, they're human beings that have real fears and real needs and they will really stand before our God. So certainly pray in that respect. And the Bible says the purpose for which we pray for our civil leaders is that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So praying that God would 
work uh, in, in favor of our being able to exercise our freedoms, to be able to live out the gospel in an unrestricted way. So that's certainly one, one goal in our praying. But I think another way to consider this verse would be that as we pray, that gives God the opportunity to work in our own hearts to give us a peace on the inside that counterbalances whatever political and civil pressures there are on the outside that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. That's a great observation, Pastor. You know, we all are very well aware that people often get very exercised here in the United States and even around the world over different political parties, you know, who's in charge, who's doing what, you know, what's going to happen to our country. But God's in charge of everything. And we can trust in God even in what seems to be bad, you know, political environments for different people. And as you mentioned a moment ago, different people view political, envi- view political environments differently. Paul lived in a political environment that was not favorable toward Christianity. And yet he trusted in God. He knew that God could work in the lives of believers. And so Paul knew the necessity. It wasn't an option. Prayer was a necessity that Christians had to have in their lives. Verse 3 For this is what? Praying for, seeing God working on the behalf of our leaders is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So what is God's desire for every single human being? His desire is for, for them to be saved. Now, God is not going to save someone against his will, but God's desire is that people would be saved. And so when we pray in concert with God's desires, that pleases God. And that's praying according to the will of God. And the Bible says, as we pray for our leaders and for all men, and we're giving thanks and supplicating and interceding, the Bible says that that's good and that's acceptable. The word acceptable uh, in New Testament usage really refers to worship. It's, it's, the, it's the analogous to the way God accepted uh, the right sacrifice in the Old Testament. So as we're sincerely praying for others, especially for their soul and their salvation, that's a wonderful act of worship on the part of a believer. It certainly is. And Paul shows us here the great power in prayer. You know, God does want us to pray for all men, pray for those leaders who are, who are wicked people, pray that God will work in their heart. I know sometimes it seems like I know some people who want to pray down imprecatory prayers upon political leaders because they don't— God, uh, get them. Exactly (laughs) right. They don't really understand what David's even doing with those. But Paul says pray for their salvation. As you mentioned earlier, God can take the most hardened criminal, most hardened sinner, and turn them around just like Paul himself experienced, and they can trust in Christ and be a great testimony for Jesus Christ. A simple, straightforward reading of 1 Timothy chapter 2 leaves the reader with one obvious conclusion, and that is God wants everyone to be saved. I know that some people try to do theological gymnastics and say, well, that doesn't really mean that, though. What that really means is God wants all kinds of people to be saved. It's not that he wants every single person to be saved. Otherwise, every single person would be saved because whatever God wants, he's going to get Uh, But what that really means is God wants every class of people to be saved. And they'll do the same thing with 2 Peter 3, 9. And not willing that any should perish, but that all, all kinds of people should be saved. But that's not what the scripture says. 
The scripture very clearly says that God wants, desires for everyone to be saved. And if people don't get saved, then they're not doing what God wants because God wants to. He's provided rescue for them and he wants them to be saved. That is a great point that Paul makes clear here. And you're right, Pastor. It is sad that people sometimes get really divided and try to really thread a needle and do injustice to Scripture and try to make this mean something other than what it says. But the blunt reality is God does want all people to trust in Christ as their Savior. God loves the world. When, when we were yet sinners, you know, Christ died for us. All of us were wicked sinners before we trusted in Christ. God loved us. He wants us to trust in Him. But God does not force us to trust in Christ. And so God will not force what He would desire to happen in a person's life about trusting Christ. He will not make a person do that. He gives people responsible will. And the fact that God wants us to be saved is certainly within, within the scope of his ability to save. Because the Bible says in verse number five, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. What a statement. So Jesus is separate from God. He's separate from man because he is both God and man. He is the mediator. He is the God-man and that go-between between man and God. Because he's all man, he represents man in all of his frailty and really on the cross in all of his sinfulness because he's all God, that he represents God in all of his divinity and all of his righteousness. He is the one way. He's the truth, the life. So verse 5 is teaching us that because God desires all men to be saved, in Christ he provided the mediatorship by which all men can be saved. And I, and I love John 1, 14, and the word, you know, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came, the Son of God came. Jesus Christ is God. He revealed God to us. He made it possible for us to know God. And I think what, how we find throughout the word of God, God teaches that great principle that Jesus is the way of salvation. And I think what Paul is writing, God wants all men to be saved. Well, we know a lot of people around the world worshiping God, but it's not Jehovah God. Right. But God wants them to know Jesus Christ, the mediator between God and man. And verse number six really is the exclamation point on everything you just said, John, because it says who, that's Jesus, he gave himself a ransom for all. We know what ransom is. If you've ever seen a kidnapping situation unfold, he, he is the ransom for all. He is the payment price. His life, he gave himself for us to be testified in due time. And we're going to talk about that last part of verse six on the next episode. Here's the point. The point is that uh, God loves the world. He sent his son to die for the world. Therefore, based upon that, we ought to pray. We ought to pray for everybody, even the people that seem farthest from God, even the people who through their authoritative measures sometimes make our life more difficult. Let's pray for them. Let's pray that our lives might be able to be more free and living in, in godliness and honesty, or maybe they'll even come to Christ and be saved. Certainly nobody is out of the scope or should be out of the scope of our concern and prayer for them before the Lord. Well, I hope that helps uh, today. Looking forward to jumping into verse number seven next episode. Hope you'll join us. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If everyday truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. 
Until next time, God bless.